preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Oh, it's loaded down once again. I'll tell you, John Tartaglia from the Disney Channel joining us today. He's in that show that your granddaughter just loves, Johnny and the Sprites. Right. Yes, we actually watched it. She came to visit and uh, just watched the program over and over. (laughs) Well, he'll be on the show today. He's actually hooked up with the Humane Society of the United States. Also, our friend TV's Mark Marone on Pocket Pets, the latest news on Michael Vick and the dogfighting case, and Ghost Cats. Ghost Cats. Do you believe in Ghost Cats? I don't see why not. I believe in ghost people, so I've never seen one, but... We'll find out more with Dusty Rainbow on the way. We'll find out if that's her real name, too. <laughs> 1-866-405-8405. Hi, who's this? April. Hi, April. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Oh, you sound, you sound a little bit tired. Where are you calling from? I'm in Warnersville. Warnersville. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, listening on... Um, I don't know. What side is I'm that? I'm on WEU. Very good. Okay. What's going on? Well, I just lost... Three kittens. Who? Because the mommy came down with milk fever. Milk fever? Yes, for a third time. Okay, well now for listeners that don't know what that is, what is milk fever? It has something to do with the milk in the kitty cat, in the milk in them. Okay. It's, it's actually, it's depletion of calcium that the mother doesn't produce enough that's, calcium in her okay. milk. Okay. That's all I knew, it was something with the milk. Yeah. Okay. How old are your kittens? They are a little over two weeks old. Okay. They're being bottle-fed. Uh, okay. Uh, that's what I was going to suggest, to get them away from their mother and be... I already did, since okay. I lost three. Okay. Um, what is going on with the mother right now? She, I'm giving her an antibiotic called amoxicillin. Okay. Have you taken... I, I got one problem with her besides that. She's got a major lump inside one of her titties. And probably mastocytis. That's another infection with her producing her milk. Have she? Have you taken her to the vet? I don't have a vet, and I called a vet. They said they won't take her in an emergency unless I'm a client. Okay. Are the are the breasts currently engorged? Only one. Yeah. She's. You know what? She's definitely got some problems going on. And and this happened was before I gave her amoxicillin, and it went away. Yeah. There, there's actually other medicines that would be. M- more appropriate that your vet could uh, prescribe. Unfortunately, I know it's not always... Uh, this is from a vet. Right, okay. but this isn't for the condition. What she needs is oh. a calcium supplement. And oh. this can also, the condition can also be fatal. I don't know if you're seeing any signs of her. If she appeared disoriented, is she no. wa- wobbling around? No. She, okay. She's not walking stiffly or anything like no. that? Boy, you'd have to take her to the vets. He might want to dry her out, and you may have to bottle feed the kittens That's for a few more weeks. Get to a vet. Yeah. It's important. I know sometimes it can be costly, but in this particular case, it can be fatal to the mother. I think the vet can probably also give you some hints and tips what to do uh, with the children and the right medicine. The right medicine. you got to have the right well, medicine. Well, last time I took her to a vet, they gave me amoxicillin. That would be that for an it. infection. Yeah. This is she, this is a different thing. She may and be, that was what she, this is what she had then. This is something that's pretty rare in cats. Normally, you see it in dogs, but once a cat does have it, it does usually occur again with every litter. Mm. So, and she lost. She had her first litter. Uh huh. Lost all but one. Uh huh. And then she had a second litter. Lost all four. Uh huh. Now this litter, she lost all but two. 
I think it's time to be spayed. That's what I was thinking. Uh, time to, well, time. there's no more males in the house. Yeah. But you I know got what? Rid of the males. Well, you know what? What else is is Spain will uh, reduce uh, uterine cancers too. It's not yeah. only population control. Yeah. And you can get it done real cheap these days. Yeah. It's, it's, I plan on doing that as soon as uh, we have the money to do it. Okay. Yeah. Well, how about how about we give you some phone numbers? I'll give you one right now. Um, let me get my pen and paper. Okay. How old is she? Um, she's two. Okay, I'm going to give you a phone number here. These people will help you get them spayed if you, if you don't have the funds. No, but, excuse me. She, yeah, she is too. Okay. Okay. These, peop, these people She's will help you. on three. Okay. These people will uh, help you uh, get her spayed, and if you don't have the funds, these people okay. will help out with that. The phone number is 1-800-248-7729. And just tell them that uh, you want to get your cat spayed and you're just kind of broke. I want to get them done. Yeah, you tell them you need to get them done. Because that's going to, you know, that there's going to be all kinds of health issues down the road if you don't do that now. Because I have two mothers. Uh-huh. The other mother, she's doing fine. Okay. How are the kittens doing? Her kittens are doing fine. Please get that mother checked out as soon as you can. That's what I did to the mother of the other kittens. Okay. Okay. He hold was ball-fed. Okay, hold on one second. Okay. Yeah, you're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> too many litters, too many kittens. Come on, people out there. Uh, Johnny Tartaglia plays Johnny and the Sprites on the Disney Channel. And I just learned about him this week as your granddaughter came to visit. And She's a big fan. She, yeah, well, she was watching the Disney <laughs> Channel the whole time. And uh, she said, why don't you get Johnny on the show? And he happens to be doing something with the, the HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States. I believe he's on line three. Yes, Hi, John. Is. Hello, how you doing? Very well. Are we calling you at work? No, yes, you are, but I'm, I'm at lunch and it's fantastic. Very good. <laughs> Uh-oh, we're interrupting his lunch. No, no, no. <laughs> gladly interrupting, gladly interrupting. Well, uh, i got to tell you, Judy's granddaughter, a big fan. Yes. Oh, that's great. And, uh, of course, uh, you are a big animal lover, too. I am a huge animal lover, yes. You've uh, joined on with the Humane Society of the United States to help promote a new program. That's absolutely right. It's the uh, Proud to Adopt campaign. Tell us about it, will you? Well, it's, it's a great program, and basically um, it's about... Uh, you know, you get you, you can go to the Humane Society. You can go to uh, www.humanesociety.org/adopt, and you can get a free Proud to Adopt care package there, Ooh. and uh, which can get you going on your adoption. And basically, you know, this program is all about how fantastic uh, sheltered animals are to adopt, and to kind of clear up a lot of the misconceptions people have about them. Um, a lot of people, for instance, think that you know, if you that there's something wrong with sheltered animals, which they're, they're there's not. Um, you know, people have that misconception because they think that there's something wrong with them or they're abused, but most of them are there because of something that happened with the people that happened before, like a divorce or um, people who have allergies or sometimes people just, you know, they adopt animals, they don't realize the work that goes into it, so they end up just taking it right back to the shelter. So, um, so it's pretty wonderful because it basically encourages people to adopt and you can learn a lot more about it and it kind of gives you all these helpful hints to get started and, and um, it, it's a great program. You know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that you can't find a specific breed at a shelter or at a, at a well, obviously a breed rescue you can. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and But a lot of people think, oh, I have to go to a breeder. To get a purebred. That's so wrong, isn't it? Oh, completely wrong. Completely wrong. I mean, you know, you, you never know what you're going to find. You know, the truth of the matter is you don't know where they're coming from or what they're situation was a lot of times you know people with purebreds will have way too many puppies or way too many uh kittens and you know and these animals they need a place to live so it's it's definitely a wonderful way to bring an animal into your life yeah and and save a life 
Is yes, that? absolutely save a life. And, and I mean, and, and, and obviously, you know, you're doing something more humane than if you're going and getting a puppy from a puppy mill or something like that, where these animals are probably raised in horrible conditions, and you're just furthering that. As I've always said, that a purebred is, uh, in reality, an inbred animal, and greyhounds can have uh, Dalmatians. problems, yes. Dalmatians. Right. There's a lot of things that can Lines, happen something. where, as a mutt, just maybe a healthier pet. Yeah, I mean, I've actually, most of the dogs I've had growing up were mutts, and, you know, and, and there was always, the, you know, those people who'd say, oh, well, you, you adopted it, or how do you know it's going to be a healthy animal? And the funny thing is they always turn out to live really long lives and be very healthy. So you just, you're right, you just don't know. You just have no idea, and, you know, it, it's a shame that a lot of people don't think more so of adopting than they do of going to a store or going to a puppy mill or sometimes even going to a breeder to to get their animals. So we're hoping that, you know, this Proud to Adopt campaign encourages more people to go out to their shelters and adopt. I'm sorry. I was going to say with cats, you know, people go for the purebred cats and then you have just your domestic short hairs. And those cats and the mutts actually make the best pets. They really do. They really do. bond well with them. You have really good relationships with those animals. And the Humane Society wants you to obviously go to a shelter and they're, they're giving out this kit, this Proud to Adopt Care Package. Do you know what's in it? Yes, you get a T-shirt, you get a bumper sticker, you get a lapel pin, and each one has the words "I adopt" on them. And of course, you know, then you can go to the website and learn even more. And um, you know, if you need, need any assistance, you have any questions, it's definitely on that website. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a great way, I think, for people who've never thought about adopting before to at least get in, get interested in it. And of course, the website humanesociety.org, and we encourage you to check it out. Links to everything you've heard on today's show, also at animalradio.com. John, what kind of pets do you have at home? Uh, I actually have four pets. I have uh, I have three cats and a dog. I have a cocker spaniel named Dora, and I have two gray tabby sister cats. Their names are Mia and Keisha. And then wow. I have a 15-year-old uh, cat, black and white, beautiful cat named Sebastian. It uh, <laughs> sounds pretty busy around the old Tartaglia house. Oh, yeah, and then on top of that, I have two fish tanks, too. So it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> Dr. Doolittle in my house. But uh, it's never a dull moment, let's put it that way. Do they all get along? You know what? They pretty much do. They pretty much do. I had the cats before I had the dog, and uh, we were very careful introducing the dog into the cats so that they got had enough time to get to know each other, and we did everything that people had recommended. And for the most part, they get along. Every now and then, there's a little bit of a territory scramble, but everyone seems to respect each other. And, I, you know, we try to give them all equal love, and I think that... The, the, the places that a lot of people I, I know who've had both dogs and cats, sometimes they favor the dog more than the cats or vice versa. And I find that if you kind of give them all the same attention, they all start to feel part of the family. So, so far, so good. <laughs> you know, in this uh, last few weeks, we've seen some distressing news uh, from yeah. the dog fighting and Michael Vick. And, and I, I really honestly believe that it is how you teach your children to interact with animals. You can either Absolutely. teach them that they're a weapon or you can teach them that they're uh, part they of the give family. You, yeah, and they give you unconditional love. Johnny and the Sprites, do you uh, try to encourage this kind of thinking on the show at all? Well, we kind of do, yeah. I mean, not so much directly necessarily with pets, uh, at least as of yet, but I think what we try to do on the show is to kind of promote um, tolerance in general. And I think that, you know, a lot of people say that uh, it's no shock to them who know me that, you know, not only do I love animals, but I work with puppets too because they're kind of like, you know, fantasy furry animals, I guess, of sorts. And, um, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, for, for me, I think that what we're trying to do is show Johnny's, my character's relationship with those sprites, those, those uh, you know, furry animals, basically, and showing that, you know, it, it just takes a little bit of time, but, but when you can get to know a creature or a person, um, you know, it makes it much more worth the while. Johnny Tartaglia joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you guys so much. This is Greg Biffle on Animal Radio, and remember to spade and neuter your pets.
This is an Animal Radio News Update made possible by the Simple Solution Natural line of 100% biodegradable pet care products. Well, here it is. One of the men indicted with Michael Vick on federal dogfighting charges pleaded guilty Monday and has agreed to help prosecutors make their case. I'm Hal Abrams. Tony Taylor, a 34-year-old from Hampton, Virginia, has pleaded guilty to charges of conspiring to travel in interstate commerce in aid of unlawful activities and to sponsoring a dog in an animal fighting venture. Of course, Michael Vick and two other men pleaded not guilty last week in the case. Taylor outlined his involvement with the others in a dog fighting enterprise known as Bad News Kennels. He testified he scouted a property for Vic to buy in Smithfield, Virginia as a base for a venture. And he cited numerous examples in which the group bought, trained, and sponsored dogs in connection with fighting. In the meantime, Vic has had his football career put in limbo and in jeopardy. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodall told him not to attend training camp. Reebok has pulled his Atlanta Falcons jersey. And Nike has stopped sales of its Vic branded products. Get the latest at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by the Simple Solution Natural line of 100% biodegradable pet care products. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Earth-conscious consumers have an eco-friendly choice in pet care. The Simple Solution Natural line of 100% all-natural pet products, 100% biodegradable training pads, biodegradable even by California standards. They'll biodegrade faster than an orange peel. Also, Simple Solution Natural Pet Stain and Odor Remover, a great alternative to harsh chemicals found in traditional household cleaners. Simple Solution Natural, based on a way of life. Find Simple Solution at Petco, PetSmart, or your local pet retailer. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just by eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Protect your dog and your family by deworming your dog twice a year with Safeguard Canine Dewormer. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. Did you see the paper? They mentioned cloning animals for food. Seriously? I thought cloning was still pretty experimental. It is. Most of the animals die or are born with some sort of health defect. So why is the FDA going to approve it? I don't know. It's upsetting that the FDA seems to be ignoring scientific evidence that animals in cloning suffer. And the FDA says that it won't even label cloned foods. That's outrageous. Yeah, and we could be eating meat or drinking milk from cloned animals and not even know it. Is there anything we can do to stop this? You can. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society at www.endanimalcloning.org to learn more about the problems with animal cloning and to help keep cloned food off grocery store shelves. Cloning animals for food is not just about food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues have been ignored for too long and must be considered. To learn more, visit www.endanimalcloning.org. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Every year there are thousands of pets and animal shelters across the country just waiting for a loving home. I'm Bill Mark with a very simple message. If you're thinking of getting a pet, please adopt. To easily locate your closest place to adopt, call Pets 911 toll-free at 1-888-PETS-911. It's easy, it's free, and it gives a pet a second chance at life. This public service announcement has been made possible by Animal Radio, a proud partner of Pets911.com. 
Buddy, don't do that. Don't worry. Lots of dogs eat grass. Didn't you hear? Dogs can get worm infections from eggs and larvae in the grass. Those parasites can even infect humans. I know. That's why I give my dog Safeguard K9 Dewormer twice a year. It's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major intestinal worms that infect dogs and to protect my family against infection. Where can I find out more? Just visit www.safeguard.com. That's S-A-F-E hyphen G-U-A-R-D dot com. Hey, cat lovers, wish you never had to touch, smell, scoop, or buy cat litter again. Your wish is granted with Cat Genie. The world's only self-flushing, self-washing cat box. The Cat Genie looks like a cat toilet and cleans like magic. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com. Or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. Cat Genie is totally litter-free. Okay, cats need to dig and cover. So Cat Genie uses permanent washable granules that never need changing. To cats, Cat Genie fills and acts like a clean litter box. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com. Or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. <laughs> Hi, this is Wendy Malik on Animal Radio. And do not forget, stay in neuter. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Dusty! Hi, how are you? Very well. How are you doing? I'm fine and excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you know, your last book, kind of a departure from what I know you as. But oh. uh, Ghost Cats, I want to tell listeners about it. Human Encounters with Feline Spirits. Yes. And I, I'll be real honest with you, I've only just picked it up, but I'm going. it's one of those things that I have to put down for the interview. You have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as soon as the interview's over, I'll pick it up once again. First of all, when you're talking ghost cats, we're talking about cats that have passed the other side? That's what I understand, yes. Okay. Uh, most, uh, I've never heard of a cat ghost that wasn't, but you know what? Uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there that can email me and say, well... <laughs> Who knows? This may sound weird, but my cat, every once in a while, will look around the room like there's a person there. Or something. Something's there. I'm looking. There's nothing there. Not even a little fly. Not even a little mosquito. Is he perhaps seeing a cat ghost? You know, it's entirely possible. Cats have such sensitive senses. Uh, I call them hypersenses. I don't think that part of their personality is uh, paranormal. But perhaps there's some energy given off by a spirit of some kind that the cat is sensing. Uh, perhaps it's magnetic. Perhaps they hear things we don't hear. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? But it's entirely possible. Or it, <laughs> or they could just be trying to freak you out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's mess with uh, Dad. Is what there you say. go. Uh, I'm sure they do a little of that, too, just to yank our chains. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the book, if you will. Well, uh, I never would have considered writing the book had I not had a single experience myself. But uh, knowing my interest in the paranormal, which arose from that particular occurrence, uh, a friend of mine was offered the, the job, and she had no interest in, in ghosts. And she said, I know, I know the perfect writer. She writes about cats, and she's interested in ghosts. So they gave it to me, and... Uh, 
I wrote a couple of friends, and they wrote a couple of friends. And before I knew it, I had over 100 stories from people wow. who had encountered ghosts. Do you remember, like, the most chilling story? Okay, two very chilling stories. Okay. One was actually by a little girl uh, who lived across the street with me whose Persian had died a few months earlier. Mm -hmm. And one night she felt really cold. She got up and she saw what she thought was the dog eating out of the, the bowl. Uh -huh. And uh, when she called, then she realized the dog was asleep over by on the other side of the room. And uh, something turned around. These glowing eyes looked at her and flew up to her and then disappeared. And, of course, she was so scared. She was, she was about 12, you know, a, a young kid, scared to death. But then when she started thinking about it, she realized later that those were her cat's eyes, the golden eyes of her Persian. Mm. And... Uh, and so, since the cat died suddenly, it was a way to say goodbye. Mm, yes. But there are a couple of cases where people have moved into houses that were occupied by a ghost cat, or um, uh, places uh, like the Crescent Hotel, where their mascot cat, Morris the Cat, would return. There was even there's even a section about haunt hotels that are haunted by ghost cats, and one of the most uh, enjoyable stories is a hotel in uh, California that has a, a haunted uh, litter box. <laughs> uh, they, they have a private, uh, they have their private area where their personal cats live, but in the, the public area where the hotel is, uh, there's a phantom litter box, and occasionally, even though there are no cats and there's no litter box, you can smell the distinct aroma of uh, a cat who hasn't covered his business. <laughs> you know what? I think that's that's what we have going on here. It's not Nike. It's not Nike. It's no. a ghost cat who's there's a <laughs> phantom litter. I'm sure those of us who enjoy ghosts and enjoy cats would love that that uh, uh, experience. <laughs> Ghost Cats, Human Encounters with Feline Spirits, Dusty Rainbolt, the author. I have 10 copies to give away right now. By the way, that's on the Lions Press, a great publisher. 1-866-405-8405. Pick up your copy or head on over to Amazon.com or your local bookstore. Ghost Cats and Dusty Rainbolt. Dusty, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> Coming up, TV's Mark Marone, and he's talking pocket pets next right here on Animal Radio. Don't go anywhere. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Lonesome George may be the world's most eligible bachelor. George, a giant tortoise from the Galapagos island of Pinta, is believed to be the last of his kind. His species was hunted for centuries, and for the last 35 years, biologists have been looking for that special someone for George. The problem is Lonesome George doesn't seem to mind being lonesome at all. In fact, the thought of romance seems to leave him shell-shocked. Although he's in his romantic prime, around 80 years old, when two eligible tortoises of similar breeding were brought in, he ignored them. One rejected love interest flipped over in a wading pool and died. But the matchmaking isn't stopping. The search is on for that special female that can help wake up this sleeping giant's libido. But for now, George is happy to be lonesome. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal 
I'm Susie Kurtz, and I'm listening to Animal Radio. And you should really check out the Farm Sanctuary website, farmsanctuary.org. First taker. One take. <laughs> Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. In just a second, television's Mark Marone talking about pocket pets. We never give pocket pets the due appreciation. <laughs> uh, we're always talking about uh, cats and dogs. And, you know, fish are great pets. Birds are great pets. And uh, Mark's on the way, okay? one 405 8405 We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget, if you haven't guessed how many dog treat bones are in the mailbox at the AnimalRadio.com website to win a Get Serious, Seriously Cool Summer Giveaway worth $700. Uh, wow. Do it, because the deadline's coming up. Boy, that was a that was a lot of words there. You did very well. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Mark. Greetings. Greetings. Ladies and gentlemen, this following gentleman, no stranger to Animal Radio, uh, and no stranger to anybody who does a pet talk show, this is the pet talk show hosts hosts. This is what we watch or we listen to when we have a chance. Mark Marone, you have, a, I believe, a television... My goodness, too many kind words for me. <laughs> I have so many questions that i got to ask you. This new TV show on, uh, I forget what channel, Saturday uh, That's the satellite channel. The, the, they call it the Magrack channel. No, well, it was on regular regular TV on a Saturday morning. Yeah, that's, what, that's the other show I'm on. That's called Pet Keeping. Yes. I just love that. Thank I, you. I wake up every morning to watch that on Saturdays, and i got to ask you that you have all these animals around you at one time. <laughs> Time from oh from Ferris. Well, they're all my pets, though. Do they re- are they really there, or is this trick photography? No, no, no. Those are really my pets. My three dogs, and my 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 guinea pigs, and my rabbits, and my ferrets, and everything else. And they all get along. The well, because they're in my house together all the time too. Wow. I, I got to tell you, that's what I was most amazed about, is I just sit there and I watch all these animals just interact like, oh, I figured they're photo-imposing or they're they're imposing one, uh, it was trick photography. But I you thought. know, realistically speaking, the same thing happens in your house. Okay, you'll, have a, you'll be watching TV, there'll be a cat sleeping on the chair, there'll be a dog chewing his bone on the floor, there'll be a parrot in the corner in his cage, and you know, a tank of tropical fish, you know, the whole nine yards there, too. It's just, not the, the, it's, it's, my show is more voluminous. <laughs> you also have a pet store, too. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's what we got I really do. wanted to have a zoo, but yeah, I couldn't afford that. So that was the next best thing. <laughs> you, you're the pet lover who actually got to do what uh, we wanted to do. Uh, I, of course, uh, wanted to be around pets all the time, and now I'm in a studio. And I see four cats all the time, which is great. But uh, We want um, more. I, no, yeah, I needed more. I, I really wanted to have a zoo, because the only problem with uh, pet stores, you got to buy and sell the animals as if they were loaves of bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's how actually how I learned so much about animals is, is, is all the experience that I gained by, by getting them and selling them and helping people. Well, today is our big pocket pet special. Pocket and, pets. I pocket love pet. pocket pets. And that's why we called you. What uh, comprises a pocket pet? Well, it's just, it's just a silly little word. I mean, you don't go around carrying animals in your pocket, but technically <laughs> a, uh, you know, a hamster or a gerbil or a rat, you know, cheerfully fit in your pocket, hence the name pocket pet. It, it sounds a lot better than saying rodent. <laughs> yes. 
Well, I had a rat as a youngster, and uh, it, it was uh, my favorite little... It was a great starter pet, because it taught me really how to take care of animals. Would you suggest it as a starter pet? Well, that's what's nice. You know, when mothers think, oh, I want to get... You know, they can't keep... I mean, I, I don't begrudge a mother for not wanting to get a, a child a dog. Better they don't want to get it, than they get it, and they have to get rid of it, you know? Sure, because it's a lot of work. real busy these days. Okay, but they want to get a hermit crab or fish or something like that. And I like those animals, too, but I'm, I'm weird. You know, your average kid needs to have a lot more than just sitting there watching a hermit crab. Right. You know, so the nice thing about a hamster or a rat or, or a mouse or a gerbil is that it's got two eyes, it's got, you know, two hands, it's got two legs, two ears. You know, it looks at you, it, it uh-huh. can respond to you. So, therefore, that the child can react to it more, you know, relate to it better. And are they lower maintenance? They're much lower maintenance than any reptile, amphibian, or fish could ever be. I mean, if you have a hamster or a rat, you can clean the cage once a week. You know, a handful of rodent food every day. If the water bottle's full, you can you know you can ignore it that day. You know, if you have a reptile or an amphibian, those animals are incredibly high maintenance. You know, and the kids can't play with them like they can't interact with them like they can with the uh, with the with the pocket pets. I mean, all those neat, cool toys for hamsters, like those cars and things like that, <laughs> that keeps the child's interest in it. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, balls. kids got so much to keep them busy today with all these computer things. You know, my son's got more toys. Boys now than I ever had in my life, and he's only eight years old. <laughs> and they don't require the full-time attention like a cat or a dog would. Yeah, that's the nice thing about it. But uh, but also, it's interactive, okay? And it can respond to a name. So now it's no longer okay. I got to clean the turtle's cage. Now it's Hammy's cage needs to be clean. You know, uh-huh. now the animal, once the animal becomes an individual, then it's, it's no longer an animal in a cage, but that becomes a pet now. Uh-huh. And it's so important to teach your children at a young age about this. Yeah, and, and the child can see for itself. Oh, you know, he puts the food in, and Hammy comes over to eat it. So the child realizes that there are creatures on the planet other than himself or herself that have needs that they're responsible for. What's your favorite pocket pet, Mark? I have to say a rat. You do, and why yeah, is when that? When I was a kid, I was living. In, we lived in an urban area, and there was a um, an empty lot around the corner. A bunch of kids were there killing rats they were finding under boards. Yeah. You know, and 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 I, I, after it was all over, I went there and I, and I found one little baby who was a sewer rat. And I took him home and I named him Rufus. And and you know, I raised him with an eyedropper, and he was the best pet. I used to. We lived in a stucco house, and at night I'd leave in the summertime. I'd leave my window open like six inches, and I'd leave Rufus's cage open, and he would climb out of his cage, climb down the two stories to the stucco, do whatever rats do at night in the street, and then climb back up again oh. into the bedroom, and then, wow. like Peter Pan, and go into his cage back in the, yeah, in the morning. Wow. Now, of course, there was no spaying and neutering of pocket pets back then, huh? No, no, no. So I'm sure, even though Rufus only lived about three or four years, I'm sure, you know, the, the city of Long Beach in New York has Rufus's descendants <laughs> to this day. Well, so now, do we need to spay and neuter our hamster or gerbils? It's really not that much of an issue. I mean, the lifespan is, is, is very short, and, and the other fact that you know, you're gonna hamsters. You're only gonna buy one anyway. Hamsters are solitary animals. Are they? I thought most people got two. I thought they liked the company of others. No, hamsters are solitary animals. You don't like two gerbils. Gerbils are actually monogamous, oh. and you'll have a, a dominant breeding pair plus their offspring from previous litters. All help with to take care of the new offspring. But you don't have to have you know let them get a male and a female. If you get two same sex siblings, mm-hmm. then they'll get along together just fine. So if you have two children and you want to have you know two animals in one cage, then two gerbils will be fine. 
And two rats would be fine, too. But hamsters, as a general rule, you know, the Syrian hamsters, the ones that we call teddy bear hamsters, the golden right. hamsters, mm -hmm. they prefer to be kept singly. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, so, okay, uh, what about rabbits? Are they are they even considered Rabbits are very, pets? very, very high maintenance. Yes, that's what I've heard. Are they? Yeah, rabbits and guinea pigs are very, very high maintenance. So, I mean, in, in certain respects, a rabbit can be more maintenance than a, than a small dog trained to use wee-wee pads. Mm, okay. <laughs> and they will use the house. They'll go around the house. Oh, rabbit! yeah, that's the other thing. Rabbits really don't do well as cage pets. They can be, you know, they can be trained to at least stay in like a puppy playpen with a litter box and such, but they're much... It's not so much that they're more high maintenance than, than a dog would be, but they're more high maintenance than most people realize when they when they get the idea of having a rabbit. Uh -huh. So the, once the honeymoon period is over, then those rabbits end up homeless, and there's, there's lots of homeless bunnies. They sure are. Yes, yes, we've and seen them at the. Yeah, it's not the bunnies' fault. If the people had chosen to get a hamster or a gerbil or a rat at the get-go, then you know everyone would be happy. Yeah, and they have to be spayed and or yeah, rabbits really too. should be spayed and neutered also. Like I said, rabbits are much more high maintenance pet than any of the smaller animals would be. Do you have to take these small animals to the vet like you would a, a cat or a dog? Very rarely. The biggest problem that they have is sometimes uh, a rodent will be born with a malocclusion of the jaw, where uh, the upper and lower mandible don't align correctly. And if this happens, then the rodent's teeth don't grow properly, and they need to be trimmed every now and then. And a veterinarian needs to do that. Wow. Okay. Well, but apart you... from a couple of bacteria infections and respiratory infections, there's very little high maintenance. There's you know, very little veterinary care. And, and you know, veterinarians these days, if your rat or something does get a cold or does get a bacteria infection, they have the medication to fix it. It's not like you, know, you have to be embarrassed taking it to the veterinarian. Mm -hmm. How long do these animals live? Uh, that's the only problem. They don't live very long. Mm. You know, uh, the max would be four years. Although I've seen a couple of rats go six years, but you know, you, you figure you figure three to four years on all of them. So be prepared to, to have a talk with your child within the next four years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just preparing. I'm just trying to get get it ahead of the game here. Okay, you have a great website, and I want to tell people about it. It's, it's actually your own website, markmarone.com, which is spelled M-A-R-C. M-O-R-R-O-N-E. That's me. That's you. And uh, tell us about the show. Where we get it. Where can we pick up the show? Well, if you go to uh, petkeeping.com and you go to Station Guide, they'll show exactly what channel I'm on in your neck of the woods. I'm also on a, a cable channel. It's called the, the it's a video on demand channel. They call that MagRack. Okay. Not every cable provider uh, has it. But uh, if you do have it, it's called MagRack, and it's on a video demand channel. And I'm on 24 hours a day on that. Oh, you got to love wow. that. Yeah, so if you do get the MagRack channel, and just they call that the pet shop with Mark Marone. You click onto it and you'll see me there with all my friends and I've done shows on Pocket Pets there too. You're awesome. We hope to have you on very soon again. Hey, just call me. No. I'm here. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, this is Dick Van Patten on Animal Radio. And be sure to state your pets. Do you know what you're serving for dinner tonight? If the FDA has its way, the milk and meat you see at the grocery store could come from cloned animals. And you won't even know because it won't be labeled. Cloning animals for food involves more than just food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues must also be considered. The cloning process uses hundreds of animals to produce just one clone, causing death or severe health problems for most of the animals involved. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society to learn more about the problems with animal cloning at www.endanimalcloning.org. That's www.endanimalcloning.org. 
and have a voice in what you are serving for dinner tonight. Hey, cat lovers, wish you never had to touch, smell, scoop, or buy cat litter again. Your wish is granted with Cat Genie. The world's only self-flushing, self-washing cat box. The Cat Genie looks like a cat toilet and cleans like magic. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com. Or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. Cat Genie is totally litter-free. Okay, cats need to dig and cover. So Cat Genie uses permanent washable granules that never need changing. To cats, Cat Genie fills and acts like a clean litter box. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com. Or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. Hey, you know anyone who has owned a pet can tell you nothing is more frustrating than their pet soiling in the house. Often they do this in one spot over and over and over again. There's a reason why your pets do this. Pets are attracted to their own unique body scent, which is known as their pheromone. And that pheromone is always left behind in every soiling. Therefore, it's natural for your pet to follow his keen sense of smell and go back to it. So the question is, how do we get the pheromone out so our pets stop re-soiling in the house? Well, the good news is there's finally an answer. It's Get Serious Stain, Odor, and Pheromone Extractor. Get Serious is the only stain and odor remover with the ability to remove your pet's pheromone while also getting out the urine odor and any stain. Stop blaming your pets for resoiling when you used a cleaner that didn't get the pheromone out. And don't spend another minute cleaning up unnecessary repeat accidents. Pick up Get Serious today at PetSmart or visit PetSmart.com. Hi, I'm Ken Schrader. In race car driving, seconds can win a race. But to win the race against pet overpopulation, you need to understand the importance of spaying or neutering your pets. Every few seconds, hundreds of dogs and cats are put down in our country. Help fix the problem. I urge you to spay or neuter your pets. To find out how, visit Pets911.com today. To find out about spay day events in your area, log on to Pets911.com or call 1-888-PETS-911. Animal Radio is brought to you by Get Serious, a stain and pheromone remover so easy to use, even men can do it. Hey, hey wait a minute. <laughs> Don't take any more excuses, women. It's time to get serious. Get Serious is available at PetSmart and online at GetSeriousProducts.com. Hey, this is Cesar Milan. When I'm not doing the dog whisper, I'm listening to Animal Radio. Stay balanced. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. Well, you know, if you've ever been in an animal shelter, it can be pretty noisy, can't it, Judy? Oh, yeah, with all the dogs barking, cats crying, it's a pretty chaotic environment. It could be very stressful, and of course, you don't want it to be stressful because animals that aren't stressed are more likely to be adopted. Dr. Jim Humphreys goes undercover in just a, just a couple of minutes from now. 1-866-405-8405. Those are the numbers here. Those numbers are active all week long, so if you don't want to be on the air, but you have a question, call 1-866-405-8405 anytime during the week. Or you can email us at yourvoice at animalradio.com. Ray Ancumulus, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Voice of the Animal. What do you think when you think of skunk? Skunk is a peaceful creature who can happily cohabitate in any non-threatening environment. 
Yet he does have one weapon, used only as a last resort, mind you, his spray. Skunk assaults not the body, but the senses. As a result, in cultures where he's found, Skunk's message is one of reputation and respect. When one carries the reputation of Skunk, one commands respect by presence alone. This story about Skunk was recently told to me by a friend. This friend, we'll call him our hero, is on the volunteer fire department, and not long ago a fellow firefighter mentioned that a local lodge was trying to smoke out the skunks living under the lobby. Immediately, our hero's wife unfurled her flag of rescue and announced that it would be absolutely necessary to intervene and save skunk from potential harm at the lodge. She reasoned that since her husband was an EMT and firefighter, he was qualified to rescue skunk, which translated to bringing skunk to a place where he would be appreciated, their ranch. After high-level negotiations with lodge personnel, the wife convinced them of the wisdom of a humane trap baited with Reese's peanut butter cups, sardines, and kitty kibbles. The stage was set, and our hero was not at all surprised when the phone rang early the next morning to report that Skunk was safely caught in the trap. And when could they come and get him? Transporting Skunk had not been part of the original negotiations, but the thought of him sitting all day in the trap before lodge personnel could bring him to the ranch seemed unfair to Skunk. As things would have it, our hero's pickup happened to be in the shop, and since the idea of Skunk as a passenger in an enclosed vehicle seemed unwise, a kind-hearted neighbor volunteered her truck. From a safe distance, a smiling lodge manager pointed our hero to the trapped Skunk. Our hero had recently seen an episode of MythBusters, where it had been proven on national TV that a skunk will not spray unless extremely agitated by an outside source. So he approached Skunk slowly, speaking in a calm, gentle voice. Maybe it was the black full-body coveralls, or maybe it was the voice coming through the breathing mask that made him sound like Darth Vader, or maybe it was just because Skunk had been in the cage many hours. For whatever reason, despite our hero's best intentions, as he lifted Skunk into the back of the pickup, Skunk sprayed twice. Back at the ranch, the hero and his now adoring wife safely released Skunk into his new home of pine and high mountain meadow. Food and water refreshed the new resident, who happily wandered off to explore. Our hero's work was not done, however. The thing about skunk spray is that if one is very close to the proximity of the spray, one will develop what is termed olfactory fatigue, a condition where the sense of smell shuts down to protect itself. Thus, our hero did not realize that his sense of smell was temporarily not working. So, unbeknownst to him, skunk's displeasure had wafted its way throughout the neighbor's truck and onto his clothing. Even with the breathing mask and coveralls, our hero had failed to properly protect both himself and Skunk, thinking the good intentions of his deed would be protection enough. As a result, Skunk's message of reputation and respect had spread itself into the very fabric of his life. This story should not dissuade potential heroes from rescuing Skunk. In fact, skunk experts consulted after this adventure. Agree that once skunk is in his humane trap, simply cover the trap with a sheet or towel, and that way skunk will maintain his own self-respect and feel less threatened. Or, if he is living under a house or lodge, a light bulb safely lit under the house will encourage skunk to find another home. Oh, and that thing about tomato juice getting out skunk scent—not true. It takes time, bleach, and many cycles of the washing machine. For Voice of the Animal, this is Rayanne Cumulos. I'm Dr. Jim Humphreys reporting for Animal Radio. If your neighbor's barking dog drives you crazy, 
pity the employees of our nation's animal shelters where the noise produced by howling, barking, yapping dogs often exceeds that produced by a jackhammer. And pity the poor dogs. While employees may wear hearing protection, dogs don't have that option. Excessive noise in shelters can physically stress dogs and lead to behavioral, psychological, physiological, and anatomical responses. Noise levels regularly exceed the measuring capacity of noise dosimeters. These levels were higher than produced by a jackhammer, 110 decibels. The Occupation Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, recommends anyone should wear hearing protection in a noise environment above 90 decibels. Extra amounts of human contact was very influential in reducing the stressful effects of shelter housing and the noise. Keeping dogs behaviorally healthy helps keep them physically healthy, and healthy, unstressed dogs have a tendency to be more calm and relaxed and, of course, are more adoptable. Excessive noise not only affects shelter animals and employees, but it affects the potential adopters also. Visitors are sometimes driven off by the excess noise in a shelter, and that's not a good thing. But for now, as shelters try to engineer for the noise, try to bear it a little and take home one of those wonderful new family members. Also, you might suggest to your local animal shelter that they try the Canine Lullabies CD. This CD will actually calm barking dogs in minutes, and it works and it's scientifically proven. Visit caninelullabies.com. That's caninelullabies.com and see what you think. For the Veterinary News Network, I'm Dr. Jim Humphreys reporting for Animal Radio. Well, go save a dog from hearing loss right now. <laughs> Head on over to your shelter. That's all we have time for this hour. Remember, there's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year of Animal Radio streaming online. And you can find out all the details at AnimalRadio.com. Also, you can get Animal Radio on any cell phone, any provider. Simply text animal to 27627. Remember, if you get a pet, please spay or neuter. And if it happens to be a cat, don't ever declaw. There are alternatives. And if you're looking for a certain breed, don't go to a breeder or to a pet store. Go online to a breed rescue or even check out your local shelter. I'm Judy Francis. I'm Hal Abrams. We'll see you next week right here for more Animal Radio. Hey gang, it's Hal from Animal Radio. This hour of Animal Radio is a replay of a show that we thought was pretty awesome. We hope you think so too. Remember, there's fresh Animal Radio at AnimalRadio.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. Hey, you lucky devil. Time for more Animal Radio on Animal Radio Network. You came back. You're I'm, listening again. They're here every week, aren't they? Well, your radio must be broken or you'll like it. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> we have an incredible show for you today. We have a very, very special hey, big guest. You always get the big guest. Get, what? I can't say? No, don't say his name. Don't say his name. He's, Why not? Because he's that big. He's a very special guest. And you know what? Let's, let's play a little game with the listeners out there. Let you them, are such a game player. I know, I know. Well, let them, woman. Let them guess who our guest is. You let who guess? Me? No, the listeners. Let someone call in and try to guess, and they can win a prize for their pet. Well, what kind of prize? 
If it's a dog, we'll give them a dog prize. If it's a cat, we'll give them a cat prize. I don't think a dog or a cat's going to call in. They don't have the opposable thumbs to dial. They're so. guardian. They're guardian. Oh, okay. Okay. We need to give a hint. But you don't want them just to guess. You no. already said he, so we know Okay, we know so it's we a know guy. it's a he. Okay, I blew that. But let, <laughs> give him a little bit of hint or we'll be here all day. one 405 8405 Okay, what's the hint? The hint is he resigned after hosting the Miss USA and Miss Universe pageants because the producers refused refused to remove fur coats from the prize packages. Oh, that is so simple. That mm-hmm. is so simple. Okay. I don't think so. Let's, what? let's see what our caller is. First caller will get it. one 405 Who's the special guest on Animal Radio today? Hi, who's this? Hi, Sonia. Hi, Sonia. How you doing? Hi, Sonia. Thanks. How are you? Good. Oh, you sound like you have an English accent. Where, I do indeed. Where are you calling from? Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, that's a typical Virginian accent. <laughs> For those of you that haven't been to Charlottesville. Yes, that's typical. Everybody speaks like that in Charlottesville. I do indeed. <laughs> so, who do you think our guest is? Um, I'm going to say John Tesh. Oh, John Tesh, the musician Wrong. host. See, I told you it wasn't that easy. Oh. No. Although I believe he is a big animal advocate and doesn't like furs. Well, he's not our guest today. Maybe some other time. We'll try. Yeah, okay. I mean, Thank you very much for calling there. Can we give her a little consolation prize or Thank something? Thank you. Okay, we'll give her a little. We'll give you a little pet prize. How, how about a big sloppy kiss? <laughs> no, we'll give. We'll give you something. Do you have any animals? I have a dog. Okay, we'll give you a dog uh, toy or something like uh, that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank hold, you. Hold on okay. a second, so we can get your address and such. All right. There you go, John Tesh. Good guess, but uh, unfortunately not right. Of course, you said it was a big guest, and John Tesh is no longer big. So uh, <laughs> I mean, he's very tall, yeah. six feet or something like that. So we still need someone to call in and guess. Big guest coming on the show. one 405 Hi, who's this? Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? Good. Where, where, where are you calling from? Richmond. Rich, as in Virginia? Yeah. Wow. Big Virginia day today. Everybody's listening in Virginia today. <laughs> do, you, do you have a guess uh, about our guest? No, I have a question about my cat. About your cat. Okay. Go my- Cat follows me in the bathroom when I'm brushing my teeth and just stares at me. <laughs> when you're brushing your teeth, the, the cat's yeah. staring at you, huh? And then sometimes I notice my toothbrushes moved or like he's nibbling on my oh. bristles of my toothbrush. Is that Uh-oh. normal? <laughs> We've got one of those here that actually takes the toothbrush and runs around the house with it. <laughs> well, do you do you mind sharing uh, your toothbrush with the cat? Um, maybe a little. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> So, could it be that he wants me to brush his teeth? Maybe. Ooh. Maybe he's trying to brush his teeth on his own. That's that's not a bad idea. Can you brush uh, Kitty's teeth, Judy? You can, but I would recommend getting a Kitty toothbrush. <laughs> A, a different toothbrush. Yeah, d- yeah. I wouldn't share. I, you know, it's a personal thing. It reminds me of that Seinfeld so. episode where the the girlfriend dropped the toothbrush on the toilet. Oh, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. why it does. Well, uh, you know, I understand you can't use toothpaste though. No, you don't want you don't want to use human toothpaste. Oh, okay. Because human toothpaste, it, it has detergents and stuff like that, and what it does is actually foams up, and, mm. and it could cause stomach irritation because when we brush our teeth, we spit it out, yeah. and we all know that. Cats can't spit. 
They can't. No, thank God. We've got too many cats around here. Don't teach them how to spit. <laughs> Is there a certain toothpaste or, or something you can, for them? You can go online or go to any pet store, and you can find special toothbrushes and special toothpaste formulated for cats and dogs. They also have these great little toothbrushes that you, they're like rubber, and you actually put them over your finger. It's a finger oh, yeah. brush that you can get in and around their gums and stuff. And another thing to help their their teeth is to get a dry food, which is an oral care type of food, and that'll help remove some of the plaque in between That brushes. sounds a lot easier than, okay. than jamming a toothbrush in, in, well, in your kitty's mouth. for most, but this I think this I think her kitty's ready. In, in this particular case, you can yes. get, get your kitty its own toothbrush yes. and, uh, and practice a little bit. And, okay. Okay? There you go. Calling from Richmond, we appreciate it. Why don't you have that that accent, that Virginia accent? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> 1-866-405-8405. Thanks for calling today. Thank you. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network. 1-866-405-8405. Listen, I, I don't have time for guessing games the whole show. Okay, okay I'm going to give I'm, I'm practically going to give it Why away. Why can't with this we hand. just tell the listeners no, no, no. who Okay, he's been the host of Price is Right since 1972. Okay, that's okay, a dead giveaway. That's a dead giveaway. Dead giveaway okay, there. Okay. The 1-866-405-8405. Hi, who's this? Erica from Sherman Oaks. Hi Erica, how you doing? Good. Hi Erica. What's it Hi. like in uh, Sherman Oaks today? Kind of gloomy. Kind of gloomy. That June gloom almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who is our special guest that we'd like to get to, so we need an answer? Uh, Bob Parker. Yay! Yes, obviously somebody who watches TV. Very yes. good, Eric. We're gonna we're gonna send you some. Uh, would you have any dogs or cats? I have a dog. Okay, we're gonna send cats. you. We're gonna send you some dog toys. Okay. Okay. Hold on a second. There you go. Okay. When we come back, Bob Barker on Animal Radio Network. <laughs> Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just from eating grass, and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Ew. Thank goodness there's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major worms that infect dogs. Safeguard K90 Wormer. Just sprinkle it on your dog's food twice a year. And that's it? Yep. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. It's the best way I know to protect my dog and my family against intestinal worm infections. Animal Radio is brought to you by the American Anti-Vivisection Society. Stop the FDA from allowing milk and meat from cloned animals to be sold in grocery stores. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society for information at www.endanimalcloning.org. Hi, it's Lisa Laporta from HGTV. Designed to sell for Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your pet. Hey gang, it's Hal from Animal Radio. This hour of Animal Radio is a replay of a show that we thought was pretty awesome. We hope you think so too. Remember this fresh Animal Radio at AnimalRadio.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Welcome back to Animal Radio on Animal Radio Network. And it just amazes me how you've overcome your adversity of having no head, uh, just uh, just a, a neck. Just and, a neck. And to be able to uh, pick up the phone and dial and get the amazing amount of wonderful animal supporters that you do on the phone. 
Today, this is probably the tops here, because I know, <laughs> when we first started this show about five years ago, I actually tried for the celebrity guest. Did I, you really? I guess we weren't big enough then. Now I am so glad to welcome Mr. Bob Barker to Animal Radio Network. Bob Barker, how are you doing? <laughs> I was doing fine when I heard that introduction. <laughs> you are our favorite animal advocate in the world, and there is nothing that I could do to possibly thank you for the plug that you give on the end of your Price is Right show uh, every week. Well, I have had uh, letters and uh, emails and uh, contact of every description from all over the country regarding that uh, spay-neuter plug, and... Uh, I have uh, been come so identified with it uh-huh. that it has actually been used as jokes in movies and on other television shows. And uh, uh, I think that uh, anyone who hears the name Bob Barker now thinks, uh, have your pets paid or neutered. <laughs> hey, that's fine with us. Well, yeah. it's fine with me, too. Not a bad way to be known. In fact, I uh, have, uh, I was, I, there was a, a book written by someone a few years ago they they were asking everyone in television and movies and so on what they wanted on their tombstones and of course I suggested (laughs) so how did you get involved how did you decide to start doing that well uh, years ago it became obvious to me that uh, one of the most tragic problems as far as animals are concerned is overpopulation they're just not enough homes for all of the cats and dogs being born and I know that there are people across the country who uh, are devoting their time, their effort, and their money to trying to find homes for these poor creatures. But uh, these people are doomed to disappointment because the homes don't exist. There aren't enough of them. Yeah. I thought the obvious solution was to have your pets spayed and neutered, and uh, I started my campaign some 25 years ago now, probably, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow, that's a long time. Do you have any pets at home? Oh, yes. I have a great little pet right here. I'm about to pet her. She's looking up at me. Her name is Jessie. I just got her from a shelter. She's a golden retriever chow mix, and uh, she's a sweet little lady, about four years old. And um, in a room where Jessie can't join them, I have Mr. Rabbit and his honey bunny. I have two rabbits. Oh, wow. And I never, I had, I'd never had a rabbit, nor did I ever intend to have a rabbit, necessarily. And my housekeeper was uh, parking her car about a block or block and a half from my ho- home. And here in the yard was a tiny little baby white rabbit. Oh, no. And she picked him up and brought him home to me. And I put him in this room, which he promptly destroyed. They're very destructive. <laughs> and um, I started uh, checking around to, to get him home. And everyone was going to put him someplace in a cage. And I, this rabbit and I bonded. I would walk into the room. He'd run to me. Aww. And uh, we'd play. And he would, rabbits, when they're happy, they'd jump in the air and kind of twist their bodies. And he would run around the room, and I'd chase him. Or he'd, I'd run, and he'd <laughs> chase me. And uh, I uh, decided, well, nobody's going to put this rabbit in anybody's cage. So uh-huh. I kept it. And I thought, now he's going to get lonely. So I went to a rescue group and got a little black rabbit. And she's his honey bunny, and they are absolutely adorable. And I've just turned this one room over to them. (laughs) And uh, I had just bought a huge, great big, big screen television for this room. I was was going to become a kind of a television room, and there's no other room in my home where I can use a television this size. So it sits there unused, (laughs) and 
they have destroyed the wiring in it, well, and if I ever try to use it, well, it has to be rewired. <laughs> yeah, man has to have his priorities. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do have those priorities. Now, are they spayed or neutered? Oh, absolutely. I don't want rabbits. I have all the rabbits I need. Very good. Well, you're one of those people, you and Dick Clark, I don't know what you guys are ingesting, but you just don't simply age. I, I just found out that uh, you've celebrated your 80th in, what, 2003? I'm I'm 81 right now, and I will be 82 in December of this year. You are. I hope I am as good sounding and as good looking when I get to that age too. You have uh, put together the DJT Foundation, uh, which can be found at djtfoundation.org. What is that about? I will tell you all about it. But before I do, let me hark back to your remark about uh, not aging. Okay. Uh, the audience uh, during commercials, I talk with the audience, and uh, they often ask me questions, and uh, they ask me what. I think is the secret to to fight off aging, and I tell them that I I think that it is nutrition, exercise, and booze. (laughs) (laughs) I get rousing applause for that, not from people who are going to exercise (laughs) or be concerned about nutrition, but it's just that uh, there's... There are drunks there who are happy about the idea. Well, I have a feeling that it also may have something to do with the animals because they're supposed to reduce your stress level and and make you feel younger all around anyway. Well, I think they do. There's no doubt in my mind but what they do. I think that people who do not have pets of one sort or another, I don't mean necessarily dogs or cats. They can have goats, burros, whatever. But someone to... um, show affection for beyond their their wives, their children, and so on, I I think they're missing a lot in life, and particularly, as I do, people who live alone. I I think that uh, without some uh, animals around us, that we're missing an awful lot of life. When did you discover that? Before I can remember. I I can't remember not having animals around me, but uh, I know that some people don't have animals until they're older. Uh, until they're at least adults. But I did. I was fortunate. I had animals all my life and uh, and tend to have them as long as I live. Is there a, is there a particular animal that uh, rings a bell, that has a certain story, maybe was the first animal that you really connected with? No, um, not one that I first can. Well, I can remember one puppy uh, that I got before I ever started to school. Um, a neighbor had had a litter of puppies, that was before I was doing my television plug, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my mother said I could have one of them, and I went and looked at them. And one of them uh, was blind in one eye. It had, somebody had thrown a rock and hit yeah. this poor puppy in the eye. So I chose that one. I remember that. And uh, I have such sympathy all my life for any animal that's lost an eye because this little puppy made such an impression on me. Oh, that's so uh, sweet. Another story, more recently... I was uh, going over to see a friend who lives out in Riverside, and um, as I was driving along, I saw what I thought was a dead uh, a body that was dead in, in the street, and I went on to her home, and when I got there, I told her about it, and I said, I think we ought to go back and check. I said, I'm sure that dog is dead, but I, I want to just see it. Uh-huh. And so we went back, and the dog was dead, hmm. oh. but in uh, some bushes nearby, I heard this other, another dog growling. And uh, 
I realized that this dog was the friend of the of the dog that had been killed oh. and was there protecting the body. Oh. And I tried to get him to get in the car, and he wouldn't get in the car. Oh, he didn't want to leave the body, did he? And he didn't want to leave the body. So Aww. I picked up the body and put it in the car. And he followed. And he jumped right in the car. Wow. And I took him home, and he was with me for years and years. In fact, I use a picture to this day. I named him Federico. I live in an old Spanish house, and I used to give all my animals uh, <laughs> uh, Spanish names. His name was Federico. And CBS one year uh, wanted to do something for me, and they had a national uh, spay-neuter drive. And we used that. I don't know. You may have seen the picture of me with with this dog mm-hmm. federico Aww. he's just a he was just a wonderful animal so what's the djt foundation all about now back to that yes <laughs> uh, uh, my wife's name was dorothy joe dj mm-hmm. and uh, my mother's name was uh, matilda everybody called her tilly so in their memory both of them loved animals i named it the dj and t foundation and it uh, subsidizes spay and neuters all over the country. Oh, great! And um, works through organizations that uh, can they can get one uh, two two types of grants. One is a grant for a spay and neuter clinic that's doing low cost uh, spay and neuters, mm-hmm. uh-huh. or for uh, an organization that is subsidizing spay and neuters that are performed by veterinarians in the community. And uh, we're never state in the union now. Fortunately, uh, we were uh, approached uh, by groups and have, and word of mouth, I suppose, was a big factor. Mm-hmm. But we're all over the puppy mill uh, area. Uh, we're in uh, Missouri, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, uh, and of course in the South there are puppy mills. In North Carolina, we're all over North Carolina, Tennessee. We, uh, but we're in every state in the union, as I said. I can, and growing by leaps and bounds. I can understand that. I was, uh, I, I believe I started the same way you did. I, I, I used to do morning radio for, for a long time, mm-hmm. and I would make the big six figures and everything. Got to my mid 30s and decided I wanted to do a little something more with my life, and, uh, decided to start this show to educate, to reduce, uh, the surrenders and ultimately the uh, unnecessary euthanasias. And what we did is we really made sure the show was in the uh, the southeast part of our country where there are a lot of puppy mills and there's still... Georgia. Yes, that whole area there. And if you're listening uh, today uh, in one of those areas, uh, we, you've come a, a long way. We, we have a long way to go still. There's still about 5 million animals that are being put to sleep a year. Uh, one other question. You uh, put together, or you have, I guess you've made a donation to a law school. Is that correct? Yes, several what, of them. What, um, what is that about? Well, uh, Fremantle Media, which owns The Price is Right, yes. said that they wanted to do something particularly nice for me. And they asked me what I'd like. And I said, uh, nothing would make me happier than to have a Bob Barker endowment fund for the study of animal rights law at Harvard. Wow. And they said, well, Harvard is Harvard. Let's see what we can do. So they called, <laughs> and Harvard was enthusiastic about the idea. Great. So uh, one of their uh, executives and I went back there, and uh, we uh, made the uh, presentation of the endowment fund. And uh, Harvard uh, publicized it all over the country, all in, in various parts of the world, as a matter of fact. There was such a positive reaction from the animal rights community and from the legal community uh-huh. that I thought, Barker, this is a way to go. As I said, that was the first one was established by Fremantle Media. But 
I established then, I, I thought I would do it geographically. Mm -hmm. I established one in, in, uh, at Stanford in Northern California, one in, uh, and I, what I did, I talked with a couple of attorneys and uh, made a list of what were considered top-notch uh, law schools in the United States. Uh -huh. And I, I approached them one at a time. I, and so now I have uh, an endowment fund at Stanford in Northern California, UCLA in Southern California. Of course, there is the, the one at Harvard. So then I moved down to uh, Columbia University of New York, down in the south to Duke. And uh, I have established one at uh, Northwestern in the Midwest. And uh, I will be establishing more as time goes on. You're, you're a oh, great man. fantastic. Well, thank you. I, I hardly am a great man, but it's a pretty good idea. The fur flap. In 1987, I admire you so much for this. <laughs> it, it was the, the Miss USA pageant, and what was the deal there? The, well, the I had been doing the Miss USA and the Miss Universe pageants for years. As I became aware of the cruelty to animals in the production of fur, I tried to get them to stop giving away fur coats as prizes. Uh -huh. And in 1987, they agreed they would. The next year, in 88. So I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to do the... Um, Miss USA pageant, mm -hmm. knowing that we would give away a fur coat surprise. But when I got there, I was appalled to learn that they were going to uh, have the swimsuit contestants make their entries, entrances wearing fur coats over their swimsuits and then slip out of the furs and uh, model for the judges. Oh, wow. So I went to the um, director of the pageant, and I said, I can't be on that stage surrounded by these women in fur coats. I said, I have gone all over the United States speaking out against fur. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And uh, they, they understood my position, but they had contracts, and they had uh, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of fur there. There were going to be 12 of them make their entrances that way. Mm -hmm. So this discussion of ours went on for two or three days. And fortunately for the anti-fur campaign, it leaked to the press. And as you just said, the fur flap became <laughs> uh, front page news all over the country and on national television and on radio. And people who had never been aware of the cruelty to animals or have really thought about it, been mm -hmm. cognizant of it, they for the first time thought, well, here's a guy going to give up a job doing these two specials about fur. And they started thinking about it. And it was the best thing that could have possibly happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to say that after 87, uh, hold on, just one, come in. Okay, come on in. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, I have a... Hi. Good to have you here. I have a gentleman here checking the uh, heat and air conditioning. Uh, he had to come in for just a moment. It's that time of year uh, to get all those... up where I was. Okay. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with more on Animal Radio and Bob Barker. Stick around. We'll be right back with more Animal Radio. Meantime, get your fix at AnimalRadio.com. This is Animal Radio Network. Underwriting comes from the American Anti-Vivisection Society. Learn more by calling 1-800-SAY-AAVS. Hey gang, it's Hal from Animal Radio. This hour of Animal Radio is a replay of a show that we thought was pretty awesome. We hope you think so too. Remember, there's fresh Animal Radio at AnimalRadio.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. 
You're listening to Animal Radio on Animal Radio Network, and our special guest is Bob Barker. We were uh, before the break. We were talking about the big fur flap. Uh, as I said, this was the best thing that ever happened to the anti-fur campaign, in that these people became. Uh, many people became aware of the cruelty to animals and the production of fur, and as a result, fur sales went into decline, not just as a result of this, but as a result of, of a lot of people who worked hard to uh, expose this cruelty. Mm-hmm. They, they went into a decline in 1987 from which they had never recovered. Very good. And uh, that, in spite of the fact that they have spent thousands and thousands, probably millions of dollars in public relations trying to to build fur uh, sales uh, back to what it once was, and they have not succeeded. Good. And uh, nothing could please me and thousands of other animal rights advocates more. And not to mention that uh, because you didn't do the pageant, I believe it was that one year. They well, I did the pageant that year. They, they uh, that year, that was 87, they agreed to use synthetic furs instead of real furs, which was announced at the time on the air by me, and uh, that they were synthetic. And uh, all was well. But then in 88, they reneged on their promise to start giving away a fur as a prize, and I did resign from the pageants then. And the ratings went like that. uh, That caused another fur flap. That was fur (laughs) flap two. It didn't get the attention of the first uh, uh, go-around did, but uh, it helped. It helped. Okay. Well, you're a man of of your convictions, and I admire that, and I use you as a mentor and uh, hope that uh, I am as respected as you are someday because a lot of people wouldn't give up that opportunity, but you did, and uh, you you stood for uh, what you believed in, and that's fabulous. Well, thank you. Thank you. I sincerely appreciate your remark. We know you're a busy guy. We're going to let you go, but before you go... I want you to end with uh, your line that you use on the Price is Right about Spain and neutering, if you could. It's the only way for me to end. Okay. <laughs> Bob Barker reminding you, help control the pet population. Have your pets paid or neutered. Yay. Beautiful. <laughs> There's more Animal Radio on the way. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Fido Friendly Magazine. Perhaps you can do without it, but for kibble's sake, thinking a dog. At last, a voice for us traveling canines. Until now, few have taken mobile pooches seriously. After all, who appreciates warm shelter and a comfy bed more than a dog? Fido Friendly, the travel magazine for you and your dog. A quarterly guide to Fido-friendly accommodations in the United States and Canada. Because if Fido ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Subscribe at FidoFriendly.com. Your dog will thank you. Every once in a while, there comes along a special group of animal lovers that stands strongly in defense of the voiceless. Animal People is that newspaper for people who really care about the animals. Animal People is published ten times yearly. The publisher is a nonprofit corporation dedicated to exposing the existence of cruelty to animals and to informing and educating you so that animal lovers worldwide can eliminate such cruelty. Your subscription is $24 a year and is 100% tax deductible. Get Animal People's fair and accurate investigative reporting from the industry watchdog. Visit our website at www.animalpeoplenews.org. That's www.animalpeoplenews.org to subscribe to the news for people who care about animals. Animal People. Subscribe today at www.animalpeoplenews.org.
is Animal, Animal Radio, Radio. <laughs> Network. <laughs> Hey gang, it's Hal from Animal Radio. This hour of Animal Radio is a replay of a show that we thought was pretty awesome. We hope you think so too. Remember, there's fresh Animal Radio at AnimalRadio.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. One of the best sellers right now on Amazon.com, and I imagine just about everywhere, is a book called Dog World and the Humans Who Live There. And it's kind of an intriguing book. It's definitely an intriguing book. We have the author, <laughs> Alfred Gingold, on the line with us. Hi, Alfred. How are you doing? Fine. Nice to be here. We're calling you in New York City or something like that? New York City. That's right. Brooklyn. You got, you got a problem with that? No, I don't have a problem with that. I, I... Hey, I'm a Jersey girl here. <laughs> Jersey? Yeah, I'm Jersey. Well, that's good. It's good. You got the right sound. <laughs> Glad to know I'm talking with people that know what's what. <laughs> so what's the deal? You uh, you found yourself succumbing to this undeniably endearing behavior of your family Norfolk Terrier. Now, who said it was aberrant? <laughs> Only somebody who doesn't know from Terriers would say that it was aberrant. <laughs> He's just simply a dog with his own mind. What little there is of it, but it's distinctly his own. There's, you realize there's a whole world out there, kind of a whole society of just uh, weird dog people, huh? Well, yes, that was sort of the big discovery that prompted me to, to write this book. After we got our dog, uh, we were chatting with one of our neighbors on the street, and, and, uh, and he established a strong bond with our dog George because he always has a pocket full of cookies and uh, he looked up at us when he was playing with George and he said if you folks just moved to the to the neighborhood and I said well no actually we've lived here for 13 years George is new <laughs> uh, he never noticed us before and of course I realized once we got the dog that there were people that I was noticing that I'd never noticed before Mostly I noticed them because they were with the dogs. Well, it's sort of like getting a car. You, you never notice a certain make of car until you buy one yourself, and then you, you, you see them everywhere they are. And That's quite right. But the difference, I think, between the people, the dog people, is that I think there are more people obsessed with their dogs than there are people obsessed with their cars. Oh, absolutely. A, a whole echelon, a whole society that uh, you sort of are part of that club once you mm -hmm. get the dog. Absolutely. I walk around the streets now, and after a lifetime of living here in the city and being a people watcher the way we all are here, I very rarely look above anybody's knees now <laughs> looking at the dogs. Well, okay, so I see that you write about uh, or pontificate about the urban art of scooping poop. Tell us a little bit about that. Th there's well, a way to exactly do Exactly how much do you want to know here on this family show? <laughs> well, that there's a way to do it with grace and flair. Exactly. Grace... Grace, flair, and poise. And one one thing that helps, uh, I noticed that a lot of people in, in, in my neighborhood who have to pick up after their dog, they kind of put this smile on their face, like, <laughs> there's nothing I'd rather be doing. <laughs> and I don't really think that's, that's the appropriate uh, look. I mean, I don't think you should look like you're about to undergo surgery, but I think you want to move gracefully, bending from the hips, you know, moving down, gentle scoop into the bag, and goodbye. <laughs> you know, you just act like you're what you are, you know, a helping hand here. And you know, it's uh, there's been a study released that shows that um, city people who have to pick up after their dogs end up with healthier dogs because they are, as you might say, in closer touch with 
what's affecting them. I, I see that you'll discuss the state of your dog's bowels really to anyone. Absolutely, but would you like to know? <laughs> not, not today. I, I, I was today. <laughs> now, is there there's proper etiquette when your dog encounters another dog and they go on to the butt sniffing? There's proper etiquette that you yes, should... Yes, yes. Uh, whatever you do, uh-huh. don't start sniffing the other person's butt. No, that's oh, not good. Uh, unless you good, know them. Good tip. You know, and and uh, the, the, the main thing that I've noticed is that uh, there are dozens, possibly hundreds of people in my immediate neighborhood whose dogs I know by name, but whose human names I don't know. Uh-huh. And I feel that it would be an imposition to ask. <laughs> it would be, be that nobody, they're not curious about it. They won't, you know, I, most people I've, I've noticed around here um, simply don't notice you if you're not with your dog. If uh-huh. you know people from the park and the other places where you walk your dog, they, do, they, they don't even see you when you're not with the dog. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I certainly, there are many, many people whose, whose names I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> but I, so, so when I see them, what, you know, I, hi, Dexter's person, you know, I, it's, it's kind of awkward, but it's not nearly as awkward as asking their names would be. They might think I was making a pass. Well, you, you pretty much go over the edge. You'll, you'll fuss over your dog. You'll do anything for your dog. A play group, isn't that a little bit much? What do you mean? <laughs> you, you actually dropped what it. Do you, what, you got a problem? <laughs> no, I have no uh, problem. I mean, I, I'd have to say, if, you have to understand, I have a dog that, that um, craves companionship. And although my companionship is on, and my son's companionship and wife's companionship are usually enough, there are times when it's just not so. Now, I work at home, and George is here. By 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it becomes clear to him that a writer's life is boring. <laughs> you know, I'm, we don't go anywhere, and... You know, working at home is, 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 it has certain virtues, but it requires certain discipline and commitment, which is very difficult to maintain when your dog is coming over and kind of jumping into your lap and <laughs> standing uh-huh. at the door, sort of motioning, like, let's go, come on. So, because I want him to have quality time and, uh, a full repertoire of acquaintance in, in, in the area, I send them to a playgroup. You got a problem with that? <laughs> no, I guess not. Not anymore, oh, really. Oh, boy. Put him, I, wanna, I want you to bring out of the closet your little uh, item that you found on eBay. Oh, what's I want to know more about what's that. What's this about? <laughs> well, this is a know, family show. There's uh, a, yes. been a, a recent study has shown that uh, people spend more on their pets than they do on... Um, Candy and shoes, and I've begun to get a little hint of this. Uh, I, I, I sort of tried to keep myself back. You know, I ordered a George's a Norfolk Terrier, and I had a Norfolk Terrier calendar and a this and a that. <laughs> but I got a little glass sculpture. A little. It was supposed to be a hand blown glass. They call them beads, but they're really two or three inches long. And they, the person that makes them, makes them in maybe 60 or 70 different breeds, and every one of them looks exactly the same. Looks like a little pile of (laughs) semi-melted glass with eyes and a tail. Uh, The fact is that glass is not a good medium for for distinguishing the subtleties of breed characteristics. So here I am with this absolutely hideous little glass thing (laughs) that I bought because I thought it would look like my dog. Uh Uh-huh. 
And I was really so embarrassed by it that I, I kind of didn't show it to my family because <laughs> it was one of those things that you buy on eBay and then you immediately have remorse. Uh, uh, guilty. But that's the thing. But, you know, y- y- you're interested in buying? <laughs> we can reach an arrangement. <laughs> this is a great book, and I think any dog lover, and even if you're not a dog lover, you should check it out. You, you've written a few other books, too, which I escape me right now, but uh, it's something about an L.L. Bean catalog or something. I wrote items from our catalog, which was uh, the parody of the L.L. Bean catalog that, that uh, did very well uh, in, the, in the 80s. And more recently, I have a book out called Snafu University, which is a guide to America's oldest safety school. A school that anyone can get into with a check. <laughs> very good. Dog World and the Humans Who Live There, Alfred Gingold, very funny guy. We we do have, oh, yeah. Yes, okay. we do have oh, giveaways. I, I'm going to keep one. Okay? I know you are. I'll okay. never get that one back. Four Give books. me your address. I'll send you buttons. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. one 405 8405 1-866-405-8405 if you want to pick up on the book. Or otherwise, head on over to Amazon.com or just about anywhere to uh, pick up the book. It's good stuff. We appreciate you spending time with us today. Thanks very much. been great to talk to you. Hold on a second. Got more Animal Radio on the way. We'll be right back with more Animal Radio. Meantime, get your fix at AnimalRadio.com. Hey gang, it's Hal from Animal Radio. This hour of Animal Radio is a replay of a show that we thought was pretty awesome. We hope you think so too. Remember, there's fresh Animal Radio at AnimalRadio.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. You're, you're afraid of spiders, aren't you? Uh, I, yes. I know whenever there's a spider in the studio or, or around the studio, you always ask me to come on over and remove it. Fortunately, you don't kill them. No. You know, I, I have to admit, I used to years ago, but then I realized that was really cruel, and they didn't do anything to me, but they just give me the creeps. You know, spiders are our friends, and they actually are very good for getting rid of the bugs that you really want to get rid of, yeah, like fleas ab- and ticks and stuff like that. But what about spider bites? Well, if you don't bite them, they won't bite you. Okay. And Unfortunately, Ray Cumulus, Voice of the Animals, joins us today with a little spider talk. Welcome to Voice of the Animal. Silently, she wove the words of wisdom. Some pig. Amazing. Words of such power, they would save the life of a pig named Wilbur. E.B. White was calling upon the rich history of spider when he wrote the beloved classic Charlotte's Web. As Charlotte reflects the honored role of spider in traditional myth and story. It is Spider who wove the first alphabet. Within her web of angles and geometric patterns lies the gift of recorded language, the magic of writing. In Native American thought, Spider Woman is believed to be the grandmother of all life. Spider Woman spun two lines, one to form the east and west, the other north and south. With these two intersecting lines, Spider Woman forms the directions and creates order out of chaos. Spiderwebs are the inspiration for dream catchers, those woven webs of yarn, silver, and feather found in cultures all over the world. Hang a dream catcher by your bed and good dreams will come to you, while bad dreams are trapped in the web where they perish in the light of dawn. Spider's thread connects the world of humans to the world of the gods and spirits. The Ashanti consider the spider a symbol of wisdom, 
Thus their name for God, Anasi Kokroko, means the great spider, or the wise one. And West African folktales are considered a gift from God to the spider. In ancient Greece, the destiny of both human and God was in the hands of three goddesses, the fates. One to spin, one to measure, and one to cut the threads of life. The three Norns of Norsemith do the same, weaving the web of fate for the young hero of the prose Edda, Helgi, at his birth, making the golden threads fast in the Hall of the Moon. In more recent myth, Samwise Gamgee battled the great spider Shelob to save Frodo and wove his destiny into that of a ring bear, if even for just a short time, while Spider-Man spins veils of protection for those he loves. The Greek goddess Athena represents both wisdom and weaving. There was once a young girl named Arachne who was so gifted and proud of her own weaving that she challenged Athena to a contest. Arachne's tapestry was done perfectly and she was quite proud. But hubris was the number one no-no in ancient Greek thought and Athena was so angry at Arachne's pride that she beat the girl with her loom, then took pity on her and changed her into a spider. Arachne is still with us today in the word for spider, arachnid. A popular website, The Voice of the Shuttle, takes its name from Sophocles' play about the myth of Polymela, a young woman who is savagely violated, her tongue cut out to prevent her from ever sharing the horrific events. Desperate to tell her story, Polymela used the one thing she had, her loom, to weave the scenes of violence into a tapestry which is later displayed in a terrible revenge taken on her attacker. The hidden power of Polymela's loom is a reminder that Spider will weave a web of fate for all those who get caught in her web. One reason Hindus and Buddhists portray the spider as Maya, the weaver of the web of illusion. Spider is shaped like the number eight, the sign of infinity. Her body represents the infinite possibilities of creation. From Charlotte to Shelob, Spider-Woman to Polymela, Spider's presence evokes encouragement that no matter what the situation, wisdom exists in the power to create new alternatives, weave new energies, spin new stories. Leave that spider in your spout just where she is. Not only does she have a story to share, perhaps she is urging you to create your own. Visit us on the World Wide Web at voiceoftheanimal.org. For Voice of the Animal. This is Ray Ann Cumulos. You see, spiders are our friends. Okay, I've got a different perspective of spiders now. They'd be good, they'd be good. Okay, the show is uh, <laughs> just raced by once again. Boy, like the blink of an eye. And of course, anything you heard today, you can get at animalradio.com, plus listen to actually more Animal Radio and get information about the big cartridge drive, which you got to tell everyone about. This is your inkjet cartridge. Everybody has an inkjet printer. Yes. Or a laser printer, yeah. Usually several. And when those cartridges are spent, usually, what do you do, Judy? You throw them in the trash and they end up in the landfill. You don't have to do that anymore. If you like this programming, you can help support this programming by sending us your ink cartridges or your laser cartridges or even your old cell phones. And you can send them to Post Office Box 129, Kanab, that's K-A-N-A-B, Utah, 84741. And when you do that, we actually give them to a company who gives us money for that so that we can afford programming, uh, to this programming that you hear today. Now, uh, we get about $2 per cartridge, sometimes up to about $12 per cartridge. If you don't remember the address, you can head on over to animalradio.com. 
get the address there and send us those cartridges. Hold on to them until you get a bunch of them and then send them on in to us. Now, if you send us six, for every six that you send us, we'll send you something. If wow. You, if, yeah, isn't that pretty good? We'll send you either a dog toy for your dog, a cat toy for your uh, cat, or uh, something for you. We have human toys, too. Uh, no iguana toys yet, but we're working on that, okay? So send us your inkjet cartridges, your laser toner cartridges. Uh, your cell phones. Your cell phones, if you're upgrading to one of those new 3G with the pictures and all of that. We want your old cell phones, okay? Also, next week we are coming to you live from California. The Pet Friendly America Tour continues. Yeah, we can't tell you where because, frankly, we don't know where yet. We, we have some ideas, but uh, we'll be live from California. We want to thank Bob Barker for joining us today. Great show. Great he, interview. He's an awesome guy. And, of course, what he says. In fact, you know what? I think I have the drop around here of what he says. Oh, play it again. Well, we can maybe, end maybe I don't. <laughs> well, here's the deal. If you're going to go out and get a pet, remember to spay or neuter your pet. There you go. Do not purchase a pet. Yeah, adopt them. There's no reason to go to a breeder and buy a pet. You or can a pet adopt store. any breed you want. Yes. From a breed rescue and all that information. Everything that you've heard today, once again, is at animalradio.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend right here on Animal Radio. Bye bye. This is Animal Radio Network.